Naomi's husband and the family were suffering greatly because famine had come in to the region of Judah and their business had failed. And so in an effort to provide for his family and to give them a future and a hope, he moved the family from Bethlehem, Judea, beyond the Dead Sea into Moab. And, uh, and for a while, it looked like things had turned around. It was going really well. The two boys found wives, got married. Good things were happening. But then suddenly, Naomi's husband passed away. Working through that grief, the loss of her husband, but the two boys were still there, keeping the family business going. It was okay. But then one of the boys died. And then the second boy died. Naomi was now left with only her two daughter-in-laws, but no way of keeping the family business going. can't imagine what kind of grieving and despair was upon her. Grieving the original loss of the family business, now grieving the loss of her husband, the loss of both boys, the loss of the family business. You can just begin to imagine a little bit, can't you, the absolute hopelessness that was in her heart and no ability to see a future. So in that situation, she made the decision to move back to Bethlehem, Judah, and hopefully relatives and good neighbors would at least give her some measure of security. So she made that decision, and she said to her two daughter-in-laws, you stay here. I can't, I can't give you any sons. You stay here. God will raise up for you another husband in your youth and, uh, and take care of you. I'm going back home. The one daughter-in-law returned back to her family. But Ruth looked at Naomi and said, no, no. Where you go, I'm going. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I'll die. I'm not leaving you. And they went back to Bethlehem, having no way of knowing, really, just what God had in mind. But as they got back to Bethlehem, out of the divine hand of Almighty God, being widows, they were able to glean. And of all things, Ruth began gleaning at the field of a very wealthy man, a well-esteemed man in the community named Boaz, who happened to be one of the kinsmen redeemer of the family. Now, God had provided that if a family 
lost all of their family business <clears throat> and the husband died and the widow had no sons that the eldest son in the family line would serve as a kinsman redeemer and his job was to make sure justice was done if a family member was killed. <clears throat> the second thing he was to do was to, was to redeem back anything that had been lost in the family business through debt. The third was to raise up a son to a widowed daughter. Excuse me, would you please hand me my water? <clears throat> please excuse me. Ruth begins gleaning in the field of Boaz and discovers that he's the kinsman redeemer. But he's not the nearest kinsman redeemer. He had an older brother whose it was his responsibility to serve as the kinsman redeemer. And what was decided was that the older brother said, you know what, I don't really want to be the kinsman redeemer. Uh, I don't really want to fulfill that responsibility. You can go ahead. And so Boaz became the kinsman redeemer. And what happened in that situation is all, all of the family loss was restored. The barrenness was restored. And Almighty God blessed that family. And actually that family came into the bloodline of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that an amazing story of wonderful hope? Well, I got to share with you a scripture that gives to us that same hope in our life. It's found in the book of Psalms. It's Psalm 103, and the first five verses go like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And forget not all of his benefits. Now he begins listing them. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns your life with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, I like this one, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Come on, Lord. <clears throat> but that verse, verse 4, who redeems your life from destruction, the Hebrew word for redeems, is not the word that means to go to the slave market and buy out of the slave market. In the New Testament, ex agorazo, which is translated redeemed, means to go to the slave market, to buy out of the slave market, to bring to your home and to make them a member of your family, never to go into slavery again. There's actually three Greek words that's translated redeemed. Latrao, agarazo, ex agarazo. But that's not what the word is here in the Hebrew in Psalm 103 verse 4. Redeems is the Hebrew word for kinsman redeemer. 
And God is saying to you and me, in those times in your life when it's like everything is failing, when it seems like hope is being lost and there's really no future and you just can't see, it's just like everything is moving towards barrenness and destruction, I'm saying to you, I've provided a kinsman redeemer. That's why, dear ones, your past or your present circumstances do not have to determine your future or your identity. Jesus Christ, your kinsman redeemer, has redeemed your life from destruction. Hallelujah. Come on, give God a praise. Hallelujah. How in the world is that possible? In John 10.10, 10, you know the verse, some of you. Jesus said, the thief comes but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Boy, are we seeing that going on right now. But that's not all. But I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen? Amen. Now listen to how he described that life. It's found at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. <laughs> Isn't that funny? He's been going down through... Human race, human race, human race, human race, human race. You. <laughs> Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. The blessed life. Isn't that wonderful? It doesn't stop there. How about this? The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 said... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Don't you kind of get the idea that Jesus is saying, I want you to live the blessed life? How's that possible? How's that possible? How is it possible in the midst of the craziness that's going on right now, to keep the compass pointed north. I got great news for you. It's found in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Now, rather than quoting this to you, I'm going to have you read it with me, would you please? Everyone together? Out loud. 
Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Stop. Let's don't go on. Just a second. Go. One more time. Slower. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Wow. But look what he says next. That the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That the blessings, and I capitalize this, that, that's my emphasis there, not Scripture. That the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Hallelujah. He wants us to live the blessed life. Now, now look at this. In, when God originally created the human race, we weren't under a curse. We were, we, we were blessed. We were blessed. I mean, you can't get any more blessed than Adam and Eve had when God originally created them. They were blessed. They lived a perfect life. They had a perfect relationship with Almighty God. They had a perfect relationship with all of God's creation. They had a perfect relationship with one another. I mean, you talk about blessed. It wasn't until they disobeyed God. God had said to them, do not do this because the day that you do, you will surely die. And they partook, and they went, we didn't die. Oh, yes, you did. You came under a curse. You read what the Scripture says about what happened to them. God first said to the serpent, you're going to be cursed and crawl on your belly from now on. Then he turned to the couple, and he said, you've lost everything. You've come under a curse. Women, you're going to know pain. Men, the ground that has been good to you, it's going to start bringing thorns and thistles. My translation, goat heads. <laughs> you are going to live in, in a world that is cursed. All of the goodness is gone. And in Romans chapter 8, it says all of creation groans under that curse waiting for the redemption. They came under a curse because they disobeyed. Mm. Listen, aren't you glad that's not the end of the story? That's not the end of the story because the scripture says that Jesus Christ became a curse for us by hanging on the tree. You see, you go over to Genesis chapter 12 from chapter 3 where man disobeys, the curse comes on them. Chapter 4, there's the first murder and it just goes on from there. But you get over to chapter 12 and chapter 12 brings to us a wonderful promise. Look, look what he says here. 
I'm going to have you read it with me, would you? I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Stop. Did you realize God wants you to be a blessing? When we come under the redeemed work of Christ and we're delivered from the curse, Almighty God means for us to be a blessing. Dare I ask you, is your workplace blessed because you're there? Is your neighborhood blessed because you're there? Is your family blessed because you're in the family? See, God means you to be a blessing. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great, and you're going to be a blessing. Amen. He goes on from there, and he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. Look at that. That's amazing. Then you go over to chapter 22, verse 18, and it says this. It says, in your seed, all nations will be blessed. In your seed. Now, what's he talking about? Well, now we got to jump back to the time when mankind fell into the curse. God not only said, look, you're coming under a curse. The curse is now upon you. But he gives this wonderful promise. And he says to the serpent, he said, I want you to understand something. I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He's going to crush your head and you will bruise his heel. You see, with the curse came the promise. And now we fast forward to Abraham, your seed, all nations. So it goes from the seed of woman. Now it's going to come through the seed of Abraham. Now let's fast forward all the way down to Jesus Christ. And the scripture says that Jesus Christ was that seed. And in Jesus Christ, the curse was removed. His death, burial, and resurrection removed the curse and put us under the blessing. That's why Jesus could say, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's why Abraham could say, he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Because when Jesus Christ hung on the cross, your life of sin hung on that cross with him. The Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all as Pastor Aaron shared earlier today. Your life of sin hung there with him. When Jesus Christ was buried, your life of sin was buried with him to live no more. It's buried to live no more. When he walked out of the grave, you walked out in newness of life. You are now a new creation in Jesus Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're blessed. Do you live the blessed life? Well, what's it like? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 28 tells us. It says you're blessed in the fields. You're blessed in your home. You're blessed when you go to work. You're blessed when you get back to the house. You're blessed when you wake up. You're blessed when you lay down. You're blessed in your business. 
You're blessed in the womb. Oh, and not only that, but you're going to be above only and not beneath the head and not the tail, the lender and not the borrower. And when the enemy comes against you one way, he'll flee before you seven ways. You talk about being blessed. See, in Jesus Christ, we're blessed with all spiritual blessings. That's how God means for you to be living your life. Let me share one more scripture with you. It's found in the book of Romans. It's chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. I think we have it on the screen. I'm going to have you read it with me, okay? Everyone together. Here we go. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Stop! Our nation has been living under a spirit of fear now for nine months almost. Oh, C-19, 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 C-19. Stop! Do you remember what the Apostle Paul wrote to his spiritual son Timothy? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When you come to Jesus Christ and you are redeemed, he delivers you from that spirit of fear. He puts you under the blessing. We didn't receive a spirit of bondage again to fear. Come on, don't go back under that bondage. Amen? Amen. How come? But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This is the Semitic word. Oh, go back, please, for me. Okay, I'll get there. I know. Abba, Father. That's the Semitic word for Daddy. See, so many of us, we, we know Jesus as Savior, but we don't yet know Heavenly Father as Daddy. We haven't learned His Father heart. When you slip into the Father heart of Almighty God, you dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. And you can declare with the psalmist, God is my rock and my fortress. In Him will I trust. No fear now. Because I've been adopted. I'm adopted. Hallelujah. You know the cool thing about being adopted is? With my kids, we just got what we got. And it was good. I thank God. But adoption, they choose that child. They choose that child. And from Genesis to Revelation, Scripture tells us God chose you. Amen. Now, here's the amazing thing about it. He had the book. He had it all written in a book before you were ever born, before earth was ever made. He had it all written. He knew about you. He knew your B.C. days. But he chose you because he loved you. Is that amazing? Amen. In all our ugliness, he loved us and chose us. And said, I don't want them to live under the curse. I want them to live blessed. Shall we finish it? We better. Because I better finish this message. We got to get going. 
The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children, then heirs with God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Do you see any curse in there? There's no curse in there. That's who you are. So I got a question for you. Are you living, walking the blessed life? Or are you still walking under the curse? Are you living your life, walking the blessed life? Or are you still living under the curse? In a moment, we're going to receive communion. And here's what we're going to do with communion. Go ahead and please come, brother. Here's what we're going to do with communion. When we eat the bread, we're going to identify that Jesus Christ took all the curses on my life and he paid for them. I am not under the curse. And when we partake of the cup, we're going to identify that the blood of Jesus washes us clean and pure and washes away all of the curse, including every generational curse that has ever been attached to our generations. I am delivered from the curse. I identify. I identify that. I don't have to walk under that one more day. I can live the blessed life. Now, let me, let me just give you a caveat. We're going to come back to this because over the next few weeks, Pastor Aaron and I are going to are going to teach about living the blessed life. Let me tell you what the blessed life is not. It's not the promise there'll be no more trials, there'll be no more tests, there'll be no more tribulations, there'll be no more angst. It, it, that's not the promise. Remember what he said? When the enemy comes against you, you're living the blessed life, but the enemy comes against you. Here's the blessed life. He has to flee before you seven ways. There's no promise that, that there's not going to be any more tribulations. Here's the promise. But we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to His purpose. The blessed life. I don't live free from troubles. I live victorious over them and through them. Come on, amen? amen. The blessed life. The blessed life. So the Connect team is going to serve you the elements. We're going to ask you to hold on to them. And uh, we'll all eat the bread together. We'll all drink the cup together. Let's worship the Lord. Father, we prepare our hearts now to eat the covenant meal with you and with your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.